Good morning. Um, before I start this morning, I just wanted to mention um, we're going to be doing Q&A in the afternoon session. And I believe also in your workshop sessions, there's going to be um, cards on your tables for question and answer. If you want to fill those out, if you have either questions in your workshops or for um, either Carrie or even myself, um, be kind to me, but <laughs> you can fill those out. Um, you can turn them in either in your workshops or you can turn them into the info center as well. So you'll get those. How are you ladies doing today? Hopefully awesome. Hopefully you got some rest last night. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I'm not anywhere near as funny as Carrie. Um, I don't have her stories, but yet somehow I'm at peace with that because a lot of the context of her stuff is, is hilarious. But as I was listening to it, I went, huh, I, I think I'm good. I don't, I don't have to like go through all that, but, um, <laughs> but she honestly is one of my favorite people ever. Um, if you're privileged enough to get to know her outside of the church, um, she, she's amazing. So I wanted to start with that. Plus she's my pastor's wife and he's my boss. So (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I'm going to kind of piggyback off of what she spoke on last night. Um, I'm probably going to dive a little bit deeper into some of the things that she talked about. Um, hopefully give you some real application as to what that may look like. It's going to be practical, spiritual. Um, the goal of my session is supernatural rest, like how to enter supernatural rest. And um, I have battled that preparing for this this workshop or this service. Um, so I'm hopefully going to share a little bit and be real with you as much as I can be. Um, but let's go to the message Uh, Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, and we'll read that together again. And you can pull out those little um, bookmarks that you got last night. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Say amen. (laughs) Amen. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn, I love this part, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I wanted to present to you um, another version, which I think is amazing. It's um, the voice and it kind of paraphrases. I think Carrie mentioned last night. Um, there's some translations that are kind of word for word. And then there's some that are um, kind of more in everyday language. So the voice says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Put my yoke upon your shoulders. It might appear heavy at first, <laughs> but it is perfectly fitted to your curves. That's exactly what it says. And as I talk about the yoke this morning, you'll understand why it says that. Okay. But I thought we're all women here except for security. Um, and so you would appreciate this version. 
When you are yoked to me, your weary souls will find rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. God, I'm asking that you would speak through me this morning, that you would speak through everyone who has the honor and the privilege to stand before people, Lord, and, and share. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would open up our hearts to hear Open our minds, Lord. Help us to hear with spiritual ears this morning. I pray, God, that you would challenge us. I pray that you would move us to action, Father. I pray for rest, God. We just invite you. You have permission, and you can tell them that this morning. You have permission to go deep into my heart, to go deep into my mind, into the fabric of my very being. You have permission to bring things to my attention that I need, that I need your help to work on or that I need your help to carry out. Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory, all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. As Carrie mentioned last night, um, the message version, it says, if you're burned out on religion, I wanted to give you a little bit of context to that. Um, Back in the Old Testament, or who Jesus was referring to, they lived by what they called the law. And in that law, there were over 600 commandments that they had to follow, like to the letter of the law. So that's who he was talking to when he said, are you burned out on religion? Are you tired of performing and doing things in your own strength? Okay. And we may hear that and go, well, that's absurd. But I feel like women today still live under the mindset of striving. We do, we strive. And a lot of us are based out of works and performance. And that's what, that's what I'm hoping today to, to confront in my own life and to confront in yours. It's, uh, these laws or rules have either been set by you, your family, your parents, especially if you grew up in the church. <laughs> There's a lot of unwritten codes and laws. Parents, we do it to our kids all the time. Um, past regrets, mistakes, and lies from the enemy all of these things have been in, embedded in who we are, and they make up our identity. A lot of us are doing, and we're not being. And I'm hoping to unpack that this morning as to what that looks like practically. But we're doing, we're working, working, and striving towards things that the Lord has never meant for us to do. In the context, he first says, come to me. Notice that in this text, Jesus did not say, come follow the law, come follow a denomination, come follow a set of rules. He said, come to me, which implies relationship. It is all about relationship, relationship, relationship. When he called his disciples in Matthew 14, the first thing he said was, come to me. Come to me. He was calling them to a person. And I still feel like he has to remind us of that today. He's calling you to him. He's not calling you to church attendance. He's not calling you to a conference. He's not even calling you to daily devotions, although 
there is, you have to do those. And again, I will hit on that, but he's calling you because you can have devotions. You can read the word and completely miss the person behind the Bible that you read. I'd rather you spend five minutes seeing his face than an hour reading text that's not going deep in your heart. In order to follow someone, because you have to understand, Jesus always initiates. He always does. The relationship that we have with him has always been initiated by Christ. And and sometimes even when you're dealing um, just... On a side note, when you're dealing even with unsaved people, pray that the Lord initiates and goes after them and that they're sensitive to that. That's what I always pray. Lord, go after, go after my son, go after my daughter, initiate, because then I feel like the Holy Spirit then leads those conversations. And and that's just um, off the page. But in order to move to someone, you first have to stop what you're doing. You have to stop what you're doing. And I love the Lord because he will completely interrupt your day. If you're sensitive to know that he's doing that, you have to stop what you're doing. And then you have to move toward them in order to follow them. And just so you know, Carrie and I did not talk about (laughs) what we were going to speak on. I didn't even know she was that her text was Matthew 11. I was going to move in a completely different direction. And I'm like, ah, the Lord's putting this on my mind. I can't get away from this. And she's like, oh, you are not the meeting. That's the text for the weekend. And, and I'm sharing that with you. We even had to make sure that we didn't say the same things. You need to know that because the Lord is trying to get our attention. If he's confirming it and we haven't even talked, he's trying to get an awareness and a spiritual understanding that somehow we're not we're not getting yet. And it starts with me as well. But in order to follow someone, first you have to stop what you're doing, and then you have to move. Movement is necessary in order to get close or near someone. So you have to stop what you're doing. You have to move toward them. You have to draw close to them. And then you have to carefully watch where they are going. That's why it's so important who you allow to get close to you in your inner circle. You have to guard that extremely careful, extremely carefully. So first come to me. And again, I'm setting a lot of this up of, of what was mentioned last night. First come to me and then I will give you rest. And here's where, um, I think the teacher and me may, may come out a little bit. Um, when he talks about rest, there's, there's two things that he's referring to. And, um, the first one is the rest of salvation. Come to me and I will give you rest. Hebrews four verses nine says there still remains a place of rest for the people of God who enter into salvation's rest, lay down their works. I'm going to read that again. There still remains a place of rest for the people of God because those who actually enter into it have to lay down their, their works. And they go on to say they do that in the same way that God entered from his works. 
I love this. I've grown up in church. Um, I am, I am blessed. And sometimes you, you miss things, even just reading something over and over. Um, the thing that stood out to me is that even God rested, even God himself rested. And what I, what really stood out is he rested because his work was complete. So it took him six days to do his work. And then he said, I'm finished. It is done. It is done. The beauty of that is that when he went to the cross, his work was complete and it was finished. And there's nothing that you can add on a day-to-day basis that changes what he already did. I'm going to say that again. There is nothing that you can add to the finished work of the cross It is done. It is completed. And we have to learn how to rest in that. It doesn't mean that there's not a part that we play or that we partner in his sovereignty. I do not believe in passivity or that you sit there and God does everything for you. That's just not my opinion. But I do believe that you have to come to rest with your God-given identity as women, as daughters of the king. He purchased your salvation for you. It's done. It's finished. You can't make him love you any more than he already does. So it's a rest from salvation that works. Finding our identity. You hear that word a lot. Identity, identity. Find your identity. And it's like, that's for the church. Because... The Bible talks about that the Lord is coming back for his bride. And I know I'm getting a little bit deeper, but he's coming back known. The bride is us, those who have a relationship within the church. If a bride doesn't know her identity, if she's getting married in a practical sense, and she's still wrestling over the fact that this man does not love her, that's a problem. There has to be a rest, an identity of this man loves me. This is the man that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Now, I'm not saying it always plays out that way, so please hear me. But when you initially go into it, and I think as the bride of Christ, he's really trying to get to our identity, our salvation, that it's finished. Verse, um, in Hebrews, verse 11, it says, So let us, once again, an action word, move forward or strive to enter this rest. It's such an oxymoron. Move to enter into rest. Strive to enter into rest. Fight the good fight of entering into rest. It's a fight. It is. It is a daily fight to enter into salvation's rest. Amen. (laughs) It is a fight. So how do we do this then? What does it look like, practically speaking? And this is where I'm going to spend a lot more of my time. There's a couple of books that have just been really, really helpful for me um, and just in preparing for them, or for this message. One of them is called The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. We did, <laughs> we did this book in our small group, and I swear, when I first saw Carrie bring it out, I was like, this is about a monk. <laughs> Like, there's nothing I can get. It it was spiritual pride, to be honest. It was like, there's nothing I can get from this book. And the Lord really convicted me because it is, it's amazing. But anyway, 
that's just my, my real story. Um, there's another book that I want to mention that I'm just, I'm going to read it. And I know some of us will find ourselves in this in the book, emotionally healthy, spiritually is the title of the book. The author tells of a story about farmers in the Midwest who would prepare for blizzards by tying a rope from the back of the door of their house out to the barn. This rope served as a guide to ensure that they could return safely home. You see, when blizzard conditions hit in full force, many farmers couldn't see the end of their hands. So what would happen is that they would become disoriented, confused. Many of them would wander around in circles and lost in their own backyards. And for some, they would freeze to death within feet of their own front door because they never realized how close to safety they were. He goes on to say that many of us have lost our way spiritually in the whiteout of the blizzard swirling around us. We are overscheduled, tense, addicted to hurry, frantic, preoccupied, fatigued, and starved for time. It's like being addicted, but not to drugs, but to tasks. Addicted to work, and some of us are addicted to our own dreams. There's nothing wrong with dreaming, but you can work really, 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 really hard to fulfill a dream and miss God's timing of the fulfillment. And that's how Ishmael was created. Going ahead of God's timing. That was for free. (laughs) Amen. But some of us are addicted to work. Some of us are addicted to striving. We are addicted to doing, and we wonder why we're so disoriented and so confused. And you wonder why you cannot hear the voice of God. I mean, let's be honest. When you come even to an, into a corporate setting of worship, a lot of the times I, I see it up here, and we're coming in, and, and we're so distracted. We're so busy. It's the mind is what it is. But God offers us a rope, just like in that story. And that rope is about pausing. I loved that I saw um, the slides because a lot of women mention that word, like pausing. And that's something that they do throughout the day. Pausing, reflecting, resting, being, centering, whatever you want to call it. Meditating on him. We have been created in the image of God, which is in Genesis. We are to imitate Christ, which is Ephesians 5.1. If God himself again rested, then we too have to take time to rest. I want you to say that. I have to take time to rest. I have to. (laughs) In his book, The Practice of the Presence of God, Brother Lawrence insists that to be constantly aware of God's presence, it is necessary to form the habit of continually talking with him throughout the day. You see, your daily rest, or we also refer to it as Sabbath. And when it talks about Sabbath, again, don't get caught up in, well, that's Sunday. It's not just Sundays. You should have a period of time throughout your day where you're resting all the time. 
whether it's five minutes, two minutes, an hour, and I'll explain what that looks like. But don't get caught up in the law that it has to be on Sundays. We live in a culture where people work on Sundays. Okay, so don't relegate it to a day. Your daily rest, if you will, will look different for each of us. There might be specific times or specific spaces throughout the day that you set. But the point is, as he mentioned, it needs to be continually throughout the day. That does not mean that it it can look different. For example, I pray a lot when I do dishes. I don't know why. It just, while I'm doing dishes, I feel led to just pray and thank the Lord. It could be when I'm driving. It could be when I'm cleaning, but my love language is acts of service. So I feel God's presence when I am cleaning and it needs to be that practical. It could be you're driving to work. It could be dishes. It could be vacuuming. It could be your food shopping. As Gary mentioned in Walmart, it might be a good idea for some of you to be praying. But it's it's continual. It's throughout the day. The, it is important to stop, I think, and and start your day. And I'm not telling you when because I feel like that's between you and the Lord. I think it's very important to have times where you're just in the word and there's no distractions. You have to have that. But you cannot just leave it to one part of the day. It's like talking to your spouse or your roommate one time a day, and you never say anything all throughout the rest of the day. It's relationship. It's constant. And so we need to develop that. Amen. That's how you build relationship. You're texting all day long and let's not pretend you're not. So you have time to simply say, Lord, if you can post on Twitter and Instagram, you can say a quick prayer. I assure you. And I'm the first one doing it, so I know who's online and who's not. But (laughs) there are also um, different seasons, and I want to dive into that a little bit. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom for a long time. Um, I was exhausted because my kids were um, less than two years apart and just different things. We had seasons of sickness. I think my husband has shared, for those of you who don't know, uh, the first year of my daughter's life, she had heart problems. And so we, she stayed in bed with us. Like I was just too, I was not the mom who was like, put them in their own room. I was like, put her next to me. I can check her. I can feed her. And, And she had health issues. And so it, that's what worked for us. Um, but that was a stressful time. We've had times where there was illnesses, whether my husband or myself, he talks about that just stressful. You're exhausted. Um, no, I wasn't like just, you know, dancing in the presence of God all day. I was, I was tired. I was tired and that's okay. There's times where I worked during the day for a season, Jason worked at night. And so it was like work all day and then take care of the kids. He went to work and we did it for a season and we made it and I was exhausted. (laughs) And then there's seasons where I've worked two jobs and then your kids get older and you're driving them to different sporting events. And if they're different, they're involved in 
two completely different things. And you've got church events. Oh, and then there's small group that we want you to be a part of. And we want you to come back to Wednesday night prayer meeting because that's good for you. And we want you to come to conferences because you need to come. It's busy and life is busy. So I understand there's seasons where you're able to rest more than others. And I, I completely get that. Um, but you have to fight to enter. There is such intentionality in what you do with your mind to get in that place where you can just be still just this week. Oh my word. Um, (laughs) anytime we, we put on something like this and I, I know I'm not the only one, I'm sure our workshop speakers can attest to this. You always have to wrestle with the theme of what's being preached before anyone else. And so if we speak on rest, you better believe that we have to be the first ones fighting that battle for you um, and for us ourselves. And literally, um, just for different reasons, there came a point where I had to, I went to my room, I sat in my chair, I have a little fluffy chair that I got and it's comfortable, and I put my head in my lap (laughs) And I just had to be still, just completely still, because a lot of times the first thing we want to do is go in and warfare and open our mouths and present all the drama and the stress. And I'm telling you, be still pause. It's so healthy to just be quiet. And for some of us loud extroverts, that's very, very difficult to do no different than the thinkers who your mind is just constantly going. And I I just had to say, I'm not going to think about this. I'm not going to think about this. I'm just going to keep focused here and just be still. And then the pattern that followed was after I pause, then I begin to praise. And my praising looks like this. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you that you are in control of this situation. Thank you that my identity is rooted and grounded in you. Thank you that everything you've called me to do this day, whether it's a mom, whether it's a leadership position, whether it's driving my kids to baseball, there's a grace to do it. And I thank you that that this can happen. Thank you that you're able to quiet every thought in my mind right now. Thank you that I don't have to believe the lies of the enemy even now. Thank you. And thank you. And th- and I literally did that for a long time. And I just sat there with my hands in my head. Or, yeah, no, the opposite. My head in my hands. See, that's how it felt. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I sat there pausing, praising. Sometimes I have music going. And for me, that's, yes, music and I go hand in hand. But sometimes turn the music off because worship has nothing to do with music whatsoever. Worship has everything to do with what you give worth to. And in that moment, that was worship. Praising him. So pausing, praising him, and then pursuing him. I had to keep moving forward. I had to stay there until I felt at peace with the situation. The situation did not change whatsoever. What happened is I began to change. And so things that were in my mind were not as detrimental to me. 
Because all of a sudden, as I begin to pursue, because praise sets you up to move even closer. That's why there's such a battle in worship over your praise. There's such a battle on Sunday mornings, anytime. That's why I'm like, come to the altar. I don't need you any closer to me. I assure you. It's just movement shows that you're moving towards something. And we have to sometimes do it physically to show like a spiritual principle. I'm forgetting everything that's behind me. I don't want to see my kids talking. Lord help me during worship. I I don't want to see if my husband's worshiping because men worship different. I know these are things that sometimes play in our minds. Um, Moving towards him. I'm, I'm pursuing. I'm pressing in. And then all of a sudden, then at that point this week is when I began to pray. It wasn't until I paused, I praised, I moved forward. Then I began to pray and say, okay, God, here's the situation. But at that point, honestly, it was, I know you're in control. I know that you're working this out for, for my good. The second part, and I'm going to go over this and then um, we'll close here in a little bit. He says, take my yoke upon you. Christ did not say to the distressed, come to me and I will remove all yokes. I'll say that again. He did not say I will remove the yoke in order to give you rest. His invitation and the condition upon which people would experience these results were in actually taking on his yoke. To take Christ's yoke means to submit yourself to his authority and his lordship. It's more than he's just my savior. He's my Lord. He saved me, but now he owns me. It means to put yourself under his rule, to join together with him. You see, he's inviting people, women, to put their shoulders into a new yoke, one with which he partners with you. And he promises that as you submit and you're yoked with him, that there you will find rest for your souls. I love to, it's rest for your souls. You may be battling physical exhaustion for different reasons, different seasons, but the rest we're talking about is rest for your soul. That's that supernatural rest. So you may not get up from a time with the Lord and just feel like all this energy and I'm going to go work out. Boo. Um, but <laughs> it's rest for your soul. Okay. Um, if you would put that picture up for me. So, This is a (laughs) yoke. This is what a yoke looks like. This is what he was referring to. Um, And you can keep that up as I explain. There's basically three different designs for normal yokes. The task at hand determines which one is going to be used. You see, a good yoke or harnessing system is one that minimizes any harm to both the animal or the equipment that it's pulling. A properly fitted yoke, going back to the voice, properly fitted to your curves, 
is one that you submit to, it will not produce any discomfort or cause any sores to that animal, but it allows the animal to work at its full potential and maximum capacity. You see, the yoke does not take away the work, but it actually aids the work and it aids you in performing the task. Again, Jesus said, when you are yoked to me, your weary souls will find rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is his yoke besides resting in his salvation and the completion of his finished work? His yoke is daily submission to his authority, to his word, to his will. And his ways. I encourage you. Psalm 119. Just write it down. It's a great chapter for referencing. It says joyful are the people of integrity. Who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws. And search for him with all of their hearts. Obedience to his will. If you submit to it. And. I get it. It takes time and there's process, but there's joy that comes from submitting to his will. I know some of you are not believing me, but I promise at the end of it, at the end of that fight, at the end of that process, you will get to the other side. You will, you will get to the other side of that obedience, the reward. First John 5, 3 says, loving God means doing what he tells us to do. And really it isn't that hard at all for every child of God can obey him. You can defeat sin and evil pleasure by trusting God to help you. I'm just going to close with this illustration. Um, it's called the stronger one carries the load. And you can actually leave that picture up there for this. Back in my college, this is Dwight J. Pentecost talking, just so you know. He's a theologian. This is not back in my days. <laughs> this is back in the day. Um, <laughs> back in my college days, I observed an incident that made this scripture very clear to me. On Sunday afternoons, I used to go out to a little rural Sunday school to teach. One such day, the superintendent who was a farmer, took me to go visit the community. We saw an old farmer plowing with a team of oxen. And as I saw this team, I was somewhat amazed. For one was a huge ox, and one was significantly smaller. That ox actually towered over the little one that was sharing the workload with him. I was amazed, but also very perplexed to see a farmer trying to plow with two such unequal animals. And I commented on this inequality. The man with whom I was riding with stopped his car and he said, I want you to notice something. The large ox is pulling all the weight. The little one is not being broken by the yoke because he's actually not pulling most of it. In the normal yoke, the load is equally distributed, distributed between the two that are yoked together. But understand that when we are yoked with Christ, he bears the majority of that weight. And he bears the load. 
we who are yoked with him share in the joy and the accomplishment of the labor, but without the burden of it. The tragedy is that some of us have never been broken into that yoke. And I know there's different women represented here. Some of you, maybe you've never experienced the yoke of salvation. um, And you don't know what that looks like. And so I'm here to tell you that today's a great day (laughs) for salvation. Even rededication to the Lord, wherever you're at. And it simply starts by following him. Others of you are saved, but your identity is found in doing and you're not being. And that's the yoke that you live under. You still strive, you fight, your validation comes from performance. And you strive constantly to be right or to be perfect. You do all the right things and these are good things. You might lead a small group. You're in a small group. You serve on a ministry team. You might be on staff here. You're successful at work. You're successful at home. You eat the right things. Maybe you did whole 30. You sleep right. You exercise. But deep down inside, you know that you are not at rest in Christ. Others here are struggling with the yoke of submission, and really the issue here is trust. You're saved, you're secure in your identity, but you're struggling in submitting to the season that you're in. Whether you're single, find yourself single again, you're a young mom, maybe you're a mom whose kids have moved out and it's a different journey for you, but for some reason you are not present. You're not content with where God has you and you are striving and you are trying to break out of that yoke because you're not happy with where God has you right now. Some of you are saying, I didn't sign up for this season. I don't want this season. It's irritable. It's irritating to me. And the reason you're irritated is because you're trying to break out of that yoke and it's producing strife and it's producing tension And you are not present in the season that God has called you to be in. Some of us question, will God come through? Will he heal? Will he deliver? Has he forgotten me? What about me? What about my dreams? What about my calling? Submit to the season that you're in. God knows better than you. You may not be ready for what's on the other side of the season that you're trying to get out. Some of us are the complete opposite. We already know what God has called us to for the next season, and we're too comfortable remaining in the season that we're in because this season is very comfortable. And I don't want to go there because I don't know what there looks like. And God has made it clear. He's given you a prophetic word. He's given you a scripture. Your husband has perhaps told you, leaders have told you, and you don't want to move because you're comfortable with the known. You are not under submission and there's strife. And lastly, some of us are carrying yokes that were never meant to be yours. 
Moms, we do that a lot. We carry our children's yokes. We carry our husband's yokes. We make his problems our problems. Our kids, maybe they're not saved. That's our problem. No, it's not. You pray for them. You intercede for them. You love them. But that is not your weight. If they're an adult, that's not your weight. Maybe you're involved in a situation because you're trying to solve so many problems that you're not meant to solve. Some of us women, sometimes we're enablers and we get ourselves caught in weights that we are not meant to carry. I feel like the Lord's initiating even right now. We can bow our heads this morning. If any one of those yokes, the altars are open. I feel like the majority of us probably fit in one of those categories. If you need salvation this morning, these altars are open. And we'll find someone to pray with you that has a badge that can lead you into salvation. Maybe you're in the opposite. You're like, my identity is secure, but I am wrestling with submitting to his will. The altars are open. This is where you move forward. This is where you initiate. Or the Lord has already initiated. This is where you go. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to respond. I need to get up here. I need to wrestle this thing out with God. Or maybe you just need others to pray with you. Some of you are not happy or present in the assignment that you're in. You can try to get out of it. But the Lord has you almost, I feel like he's saying, hemmed in. I have them in a hidden season. I have them hemmed in. There's no recognition coming their way. People don't even know they exist. But God has you hemmed in. He has you right where he wants you to be. You need rest this morning. Some moms, grandmas, different season you're wrestling with because you don't want to move from the old season that you were in. Because it's comfortable. Or maybe you feel like I've given everything. There is nothing else to give. I'm telling you, God says, I have a different yoke for you. I have a different calling for you. I have a different anointing for you. Some of you are carrying things you are not supposed to be carrying. Family dysfunctions. You're not meant to carry that. Heavenly Father, I ask, I ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would prompt and you would initiate. Even if you just need rest this morning, just come up. Just respond to him. He knows what you need. Some of us are wrestling because we haven't seen our healing yet. <laughs> God heals. God heals. God delivers. He may be doing something different in your life, but I serve the God who heals. I serve the God who delivers. I serve the God who wants your family members saved. I serve the God who's able to meet you all day, all throughout the day. All day, his presence is available. 
His manifest presence is available. Some of us still need to come up here. The Holy Spirit's wrestling with you. He's prompting you. Your heart's beating fast. And that's just his way of saying.